Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. The first week of the new baseball season is in the books as the Nationals have started full squad workouts down in West Palm Beach to start spring training. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jens coming at you live from our Mass and Web studio. Thank you so much for making a part of your Wednesday afternoon if you're watching live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel. We appreciate you tuning into the show. Being a part of the conversation, be sure to comment along throughout the course of the episode. And if you're listening to us after the fact, of course, you are subscribed to the Mass and All Access Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Be sure you are up subscribed. Now is the time. Now is the time. We are <laughs> about to hit March. Amy, I understand if some people maybe tune out over the off season. You know, there's a lot of other things going on, other sports going on, uh, not a lot of baseball action, yep. especially this with in particular with the Nationals, not a lot ex- not a lot of activity expected. But now is the time. Spring training is a weekend. Right. Tune back in. Subscribe. Follow us. Bobby underscore Blanco. Amy Jennings News. Mark Zuckerman. Um, Masson app. MassonSports.com. At Masson. Across the board. Now is the time. It is baseball yeah, season. We understand if you didn't want to listen to us all winter. You know, you were in your winter blues. Not much happening. Sure. But there's real baseball happening yes. on the fields down in West Palm Beach. And we have stuff to actually talk about. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Um, so let us get you hype for the baseball season. Yeah, are you hyped? I, I, I am. Yeah, I've. Um, I I think uh, typically, uh, like people in our industry, I don't know, maybe you feel differently. I kind of dread pitchers and catchers reporting because it means the off season's over. It's like where did that time go? I guess we didn't really have an off season. This, this off year. season felt so quick. Yeah, it was because like we well because we were this was it was different. We were the most busy we've ever been. True. You know, I mean, with the hot stove show. Uh, with actual winter meetings taking place. You went to winter meetings in December. Right. Um, spring training report show. That's now airs on Masson at 9.30 um, on Fridays. Um, so, yeah, we didn't really have an offseason. But so I, I was like, well, it, so nothing really changed, right? Like spring training started. And we're like, well, we're still we just, just doing what we do. Um, but, yeah, and once, you know, not, not just reporting, like things start happening, not just talking about like guys getting their physicals and checking in with yeah. Davey and Rizzo and the training staff and everything like actual bullpens being thrown live BP. Um, yesterday we got like pop-up drills, infield drills, full squad workouts, like that's actual baseball activity that we can actually talk about. And you go down to West Palm beach and next week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fly down uh, Monday morning, which is actually uh, an off day for the nationals. So, you know, Marcus Zuckerman will be able to take a nice, well-deserved break on Monday, and then we'll kind of both be covering the team for the next two days, and then he'll get a week-long break. He usually takes a week off right in the middle of camp, um, and I'll be covering for him for until March 8th. So I'll be down there for about 10 days, um, which I'm pretty excited about. I mean, it's going to be weird because it's going to be my first time back to West Palm and the Nationals facility in three years, and okay. since right before the shutdown. Okay. Like our our uh, colleague Paul Mancano and I were, were there – I want to say, I want to say I was at the last game. I, I remember they were playing. I forgot who they were playing. They might have been playing the Yankees. I don't know why they were playing the Yankees, but I remember they were playing. And like Bob, and back then it was FP Santangelo, were talking on air, like because the news was breaking that MLB was shutting down. Right. 
And we were like, what the? So, we you know, I think our, our, our trip got cut short. We got called back yeah, home. I, yeah, I think we had just been in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. And then you guys went to West Palm, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I was down in West Palm, like, fall instructs time. But what year that was? Oh, I remember you did do I that. I can't even. Was that before that? No, it, it was after well, it that. had to been t- t- 2021. At least 2021, if not last year, right? I feel like the last three years are such a blur. I know. I, well, it's going to be weird being down <laughs> in West Palm for the first time in three years. Like, again, I haven't been there yeah. since. February 20, February, early March, 2020. It had to have been late February because I was back in time for my dad and my grandfather's birthday. They share the same birthday and that's March 5th. So, uh, be fun. That's you know, fun. It's gonna be, I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. Like I, I can't wait. And we're like back to like normal now. Like, you know, we're not required to wear masks anymore. The vaccine van, uh, mandate isn't required anymore. Yeah. It's going to feel like pre COVID. Yeah. Baseball and, and civilization down there. So I'm pretty excited. Um, of course, follow Mark on Twitter. He's been doing an awesome job for us covering everything national spring training. We're going to hit a lot of his talking points over the past couple of weeks. Actually, we have past week. Some of the major news that's come out of camp. Um, Steven Strasburg. We're going to hear from Mike Rizzo, Davey Martinez, um, the young pitching staff, um, some of the new faces, some of the old faces, some of the young old faces that mm-hmm. are working on different things in camp that we've talked about. Because um, again, we you know this offseason we we talked a lot about like what ifs and you know you know we have Jamir Candelaria. Well, he could do this. He could look like that. You know, now we're gonna actually have visual and evidence of of what that's gonna mm-hmm. look like. So we'll we'll get into all of that real soon. But wanted to start the pot off today because just over a week ago, of course, was the news that. Nationals founding principal owner Ted Lerner passed away at the age of 97 last Monday. Um, we talked a lot about that on the podcast last week. So if you missed any part of that, uh, go back and check out the podcast. Mark did a great video on the Masson app. Uh, I did another video on the Masson app. There's a couple of articles on MassonSports.com remembering Ted Lerner and, and, and quoting a lot of people who have shared stories about Ted Lerner. So if you missed any of that, be sure to check that out. Um, but the Nationals did something yesterday that I didn't really think... I haven't seen it a lot. They released a statement of gratitude, which, you know, when people pass away, you don't really often see like the estate or the family saying, thank you. Uh, I'll just read it real quick. And if you're watching online, part of it is on your screen. Um, This is from the Lerner family. We are grateful for the generous outpouring of love and support we have received since the passing of Ted Lerner, husband, father, grandfather, great grandfather, and nationals founding managing principal owner. So much has been said about his accomplishments as a businessman and philanthropist. He of course would have been the first to acknowledge that none of it was achieved alone and that it's certainly true when it comes to the story of the Washington Nationals. It was a team effort to bring our national pastime back to the nation's capital, a team that consisted of city officials, business leaders, and most importantly, devoted fans from around the district, Maryland, and Virginia. We know he was grateful for all of the hard work that made it possible for him to realize a lifelong dream. Today, yesterday, we want to express our gratitude as well for the support from so many, for the enthusiasm of Nationals fans, for the love and sympathy we have felt over the past number of days, and for the incomparable life lived by Ted Lerner from the family of Theodore and learner and I, I i you know i wanted to give props to the learner family because you know of course we work for masson um and everyone knows that the learner family technically owns masson so you can make a direct line that we work for the nationals and and but you know this isn't us being businessman businesswoman and our company man company woman and, and you know tooting our own horns but i feel like when someone that significant passes away you you know they release the statement you know and, and you know we 
thank you for your kind words and or privacy at this time. But then you don't often see a statement being released a week later, like thank you for thank you, thank you, right? right. Not not that anyone expressed sympathy or 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 condolences to the learners and and expectations of a of a thank you. But I thought that was really neat that the Nationals and, and the learners, because that, that means the learners actually read, heard what people had to say about their father, their grandfather, and then took the time. I mean, they probably didn't write it themselves, but they probably took the time to say, hey, can someone write this up for us? We want to say thank you. Right. And, you know, they recognized that their dad brought baseball back to D.C., but mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been able to do that if fans weren't receptive, you know, and didn't come out to games and weren't you know such a big part of the world series run and everything and it takes it does take a team effort he's obviously responsible for most of it uh but but it was a joint effort and it's cool that they were recognize it and it probably makes fans or people around the area feel better yeah yeah i mentioned last week that i i really respected and appreciated the fact that ted lerner made owning the nationals a family affair Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's been saying how, you know, the family would get together and make a group decision about, you know, trades, big free agent signings, stuff like that. Um, even though, you know, it wasn't just, he was one all ruler. And so, yeah, the, the family then appreciates that everyone recognizes that. I mean, you could disagree with some of the moves that they've made, you know, that could be up for debate, but what can't be debated is that these are actual genuine, nice people that own the team and, and want to give back to the community and recognize when the community responds in a positive way. Right. And for just, you know, regular people around the community, like even you and I, the owner of a team kind of feels distant. Sure. I mean, you don't know the everyday life. You didn't know the everyday life of Ted Lerner, didn't interact with him a whole lot. The media didn't r- interact with him a whole lot. Um, so this probably makes fans feel, you know, a little bit closer or, you know, media, whoever it may be, feel a little bit closer that he wasn't, you know, so closed off. You were a part of his, you know, bringing baseball back to D.C. as well. Absolutely. A great way to put that. And, you know, I, I think that's a, a recognition that hopefully everything that's been said about Mr. Lerner the past week has helped his family in their grieving. Um, and hopefully not that you ever move on from something like this, but like in their, you know, trying to move forward and, and and remembering of him and trying to, you know, get get away from that grieving part of it and get back to, like, the happiness of it. Um, and, and Mark Zuckerman today tweeted that Mark Lerner has arrived at spring training in West Palm Beach, and he has been talking to national staffers, coaches, player personnel, players themselves, um, and, and saying thank you for all the kind words and everything about his father. Well, yeah, and any time, I mean, I can't imagine mourning the loss of your father, sure. um, especially when you have to get up and go because baseball's starting, but it probably also helps with the process. Right. You know, He would want him to get back into it, help the Nationals be a competitive ball club again, um, and, and that probably helps to be around the game and around people that were familiar with your father. Not to mention what's going on right now, right? I mean, not just the personal side of this, of, of course, losing a father, grandfather, great-grandfather, you know, patriarch of a family, but what this t- this family's going through on the business side of mm-hmm. potentially selling this team that their father purchased, uh, what, uh, 16, 17 years ago. Um, and now you have this personal thing that's happening morning and you know to show your face in public knowing that people are saying things about your their business side of it but also taking time to recognize that this is your family's going through something that's very tragic and sad um you know it's i mean it's incredibly difficult time but you know in a way i think i mentioned that you know can't wait to see the learners back in west palm beach at nationals park i think you're right i think being back 
around baseball is, is, is a good coping for the family. And I, I really liked your article in your video about the story Davey Martinez shared about what set Ted Lerner um, apart from the rest of the learners around the league. So if you haven't checked that out, you can see it on massinsports.com. Yeah, it was a small gesture by a, a very kind man, and that went a long way for Davey Martinez. So let's move on to baseball. Like I said last week, I feel like Mr. Lerner would like us talking about baseball um, and not lamenting him too, too much, even though he was a very obviously important figure, in this, not just for this team, but in the city. Um, but baseball things happened. Amy, we talked about it. Um, I, I guess the first thing that, to say is everyone's healthy, and that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your biggest fear going into camp is injuries or guys coming in hurt. I mean, we talked a lot about this offseason, the number of injuries the Nationals suffered, not just all of last year, but late last year too. Remember, C.J. Abrams got hurt. Luis Garcia dealt with an injury. Um, But everyone is back, you know, aside from the obvious. We're going to talk about Steven Strasburg in a bit and and Carter Keboom, who is there, but not at full participant just yet. Uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery, but everyone else is full go, and that's a great start uh, to any camp. Yeah, it seems like almost you know every press conference that either the GM gives at the beginning of spring training or the manager involves injury updates that maybe people weren't expecting. But I think all of the injury updates were players that we already knew were hurt or didn't have high expectations for their rehab in the offseason. Um, there weren't any surprises in the Nationals' case, which is a good thing. Right, and you know, it's happening. Everyone's going to, they're, they're going to come right. You know, the nationals aren't going to get through this season without any injuries, but like you look around the league, you know, the go to Rangers camp, Jacob DeGrom was already shut down mm-hmm. for a time being, you know, there are injuries popping off across the league. This is a team that of course, isn't expected to win that many games this year. And, you know, you certainly don't want them to be worse off due to injury and bad luck, right? Like this, you know, you, create your own luck, I suppose, but like you don't want that to be a part of, well, the season's going to be even worse now because they can't stay healthy. So hopefully coming in healthy, you know, guys like Sean Doolittle, who's been full go, uh, even throwing live BP at a a certain point or facing live hitters, I should say, um, that's a good step forward. And, you know, Kate Cavalli, of course, we came, had injury questions about Mackenzie Gore. Those guys we're going to talk about soon too. All healthy, all full go, and that's uh, almost a sigh of relief. Yeah, like all the injury updates were good updates. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned those guys even down on the prospect front where the Robert Hassel the third's good, sure. Brady House is healthy, all of those guys that there were maybe question marks about how their rehab or their offseason went. Everybody seems to be good to go. That was expected to be good to go. So that's good news. That all the injury updates were good updates. Yeah, let's actually hear from Davey Martinez from Tuesday. This was yesterday afternoon. Davey was talking about it was after the first full squad workout. Remember, position players didn't actually have to report until I believe Monday, take their physicals, do their check ins. And then yesterday was the first full squad workout, infield drills, pop up drills, live BP, everything. And he talked about, you know, everyone's full go. You can tell who came in shape or not. Um, but it is exciting, you know, despite the expectation for the season to be back with the entire team working together in the backfields of West Palm Beach. So here's David Martinez meeting with the media from spring training on Tuesday. For me, it's been it seems like a long time because I've been here for a long time and I haven't seen him all winter, but uh, it was nice to see everybody. For me, it's been it seems like a long time because I've been here for a long time and I haven't seen him all winter, but uh, it was nice to see everybody. It was nice to see everybody take take to heart what we asked them to do, which is to come to spring training in shape. Um, they all look great. They, re- they really do. And the energy was positive. 
It was amazing. Um, it was a good first day for us. And what can you glean from just watching for the first day? Yeah, I know. Like I said, you know, they, they understand. Look, we only got a few days before we really start playing games. So, um, you know, when we told them that, you know, for me, it was I told them, hey, come the first day of spring training, that's opening day for us. We got a lot of work to do. And uh, and like I said, you need to come in spring training in shape if you're not then you're going to be put aside to the backfield and you're not going to be able to do the things we want you to do. And, and it's just going to take you that much longer to get ready. So um, they, they came, they came to camp and they look good, you know, and, and a, a big testament to that is watching them go through their uh, ground balls, going through their throwing programs, going, running the bases, you know, these guys uh, were motivated. They were, they were, they were actually going through, through everything uh, in pretty much, you know, a fast speed. Which was which was really nice to see for day one. Tomorrow, we'll see how many of these guys are sore, uh, but hopefully none of them are, and they're ready to go tomorrow. Can you tell which ones are ready to go? Oh, oh yeah, you could you could tell, you know. So and uh, those guys already got, you know, for the most part, everybody's ready. Some of the pitches were a little bit behind, but um, uh, so far the uh, position players that I've seen today, they look good. I mean, uh, you know, they. they hit a lot in the wintertime you know some of my conversations with our meetings is you know they spent a lot of time hitting and honing in on, on their skills and what we wanted them to do so you know now it's just a matter of getting getting in in, in game speed game shape per se and get ready for uh, this weekend so here david martinez they're talking of course excited that everyone's there and healthy but i think it was funny that at the end he's i think it was mark actually asked him you know can you tell who's not really in shape and he's like oh yeah you can tell <laughs> so like some guys yes they're, they're healthy but they're not fully in baseball shape just yet i guess no harm no foul right now but games do start soon so it's like you don't have a lot of time to get ready to start he said that some of the pitchers are a little bit behind further than they would have liked but you don't have a lot of time to get ready, especially with pitchers that only throw every couple of days. Yeah, when they were talking about, you know, their live BP sessions over the last few days, pitchers were ahead of where the hitters are just because sure. they report to camp before the hitters do. And, you know, you could kind of see the dust flying off the bats uh, for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But here pretty soon, you know, hopefully they'll catch up and be in better baseball shape because it comes quick. So we mentioned, of course, overall good health for the most part. The one I guess you could say bad news that came over the last week came from David Martinez's very first press conference of spring training a week ago today when he met with the media down in West Palm. That's, of course, Steven Strasburg having a setback after a bullpen session he threw over the offseason at Nationals Park back here in D.C. Um, same kind of nerve injury, pin, impingement, whatever feeling he had the, before. Of course, he's still recovering from his thoracic outlet surgery. Um, and, you know, Mark Davey and Rizzo both kind of alluded and said that, you know, this wasn't totally unexpected. It's very unfortunate. But, you know, we, we, we don't really know what we're working with here. They never had to deal with something like this. And a lot of some pitchers don't, just don't come back from this. Right, exactly. I mean, we said there isn't any big injury news because – we didn't know what to expect with Steven Strasburg, and I don't think there were super high hopes with his rehab. I know Mike Rizzo said, you know, he saw him throwing back in D.C. Mm -hmm. He wasn't experiencing any discomfort, which was good. You know, that's the first step of coming back from that surgery. But then only through two BP sessions this spring before he had that same nerve discomfort in his shoulder and his arm that they did before. He's not at spring training. He's back in D.C. Mm -hmm. um, and the future of Steven Strasburg remains a question. Yep. You know, is this something that you 
come back from, you bother coming back from? Is he going to retire um, and, you know, forego all of that money that, that he's owed in that contract? Will the Nationals keep him on the IL and continue paying him? We're not really sure. So many question marks about the future. And uh, what what occurred over the offseason was eerily similar, if not the exact same, to what happened to him during the season, right? He threw a bullpen session, um, from what we understand. I don't think he made it to the second one, right? It was just a one. And he said he felt great, according to Rizzo. Um, but then he didn't feel great coming out after it or going into his second one. And that's exactly what happened over the season when he made his debut in Miami. Mm -hmm. Everything looked okay. You know, it wasn't perfect, but he looked came out of it seemingly healthy. And then getting ready for his next start with the Nationals, something went awry and they had to put some back on the IL. And it's not like, I mean, they don't have to, he's not going to push himself. The Nationals don't have to push him. They never put any timeline on him just because, I won't say that they don't need him in this rotation, but I don't think they, there was any expectation of him to come back. Yeah. You know, so. Let's hear from Mike Rizzo. He met with the media uh, over the weekend for his first meeting um, at spring training. And, of course, a lot of questions about Steven Strasburg. Here's what the Nationals general manager had to say about his supposed ace. Talk about one of the best big game pick pitchers that's ever pitched. Uh, uh, the best big game pitcher the Nationals have ever had and, uh, and, and, and anywhere in baseball. So you're talking about an ultra competitor who wasn't afraid of anything to take the ball into the, the toughest, you know, most unique situations and, and perform admirably. And, uh, and you know, kind of uh, we built this franchise on, on the back of him. And uh, just feel bad that he can't, uh, you know, he can't kind of relish into into the end of his career, you know, gracefully and uh, and that type of thing. And he's, you know, he just feels he just feels, you know, terrible about it. And I was, I saw him throw a couple of times in in DC and in, into cages, and and uh, you know, it's it was it was good to see him throw pain free. And uh, and uh, you know, he obviously was nowhere, you know, nowhere near ready to you know competition, but. Uh, Throwing pain free was the first thing, and then uh, when we got the call that it, that the nerve was acting up again, it was you know it was something that was, uh, was something that uh, was not unexpected, but it was still you know the uh, the news of that never it never feels good. Tough words hearing from the from Mike Rizzo. I mean, and I, I thought it was interesting. You can't for us, you know. Thank you to the Nationals for providing these press conferences over Zoom, but can't really tell too, too much the emotion that's coming out of those guys when they talk about certain mm -hmm. things. Everyone that was present, you know, all the beat reporters, including Mark, was mentioned how emotional he sounded and appeared. Like, I think that that's not telling. that To me, that says that Rizzo, in some part of his mind, thinks is getting close to near the end for Steven Strasburg. Right, exactly. I mean, Mark said you could tell he was getting choked up talking about him. And he said there he went from, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game to, you know, maybe never able to pitch again. So it's it's been an unfortunate um, last few years for Steven Strasburg. It'll be unfortunate to see him if this is the end of his career. Um, and I guess you just have to always point back to winning MVP of the World Series in 2019. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it's also gotta be tough for Mike because he scouted Strauss, drafted Strauss number one overall, you know, at this point, 14 years ago. Um, so, it, you know, this is someone that you, I mean, they're adults, but grew up with, they you did, know, came yeah. up with together in this organization, built a champion together in this organization, World Series MVP, like you mentioned. So, I mean, it, you know, you hear that 
Strauss was able to throw a bullpen session over the offseason, and that's like that's the first encouraging news we've heard about him since they told us that he was going to make his debut or that he felt fine coming out of his season debut last year. And then you hear the but, and that's just like that's kind of a dagger. And now what what's next? You you kind of allude to it earlier, Amy. I you know, it, it, some tough conversations are probably going to have to be had, right? Because he is owed a lot of this money. He is only halfway through his contract that he signed um, after the 2019 season, seven-year, $145 million deal. No, $245 million, excuse me. Um, you know, do you kind of, I mean, if you if he retires, he forfeits that. Why would he do that? But, you know, if he just stays on the team, he, you know, on the 60-day IL, the Nationals keep paying him to not pitch. You know, how do you kind of work out if, if this is going to be the end for Strasburg in terms of his pitching career, how do you kind of work out a resolution to that? Because both parties are in a tough spot. It has to be uncomfortable. I mean, and hopefully after this time, there'll be, I mean, there is a mutual respect on both sides. Sure. I think Steven Strasburg will want to do the best thing for himself, but also for the organization. I don't think he's going to screw the Nationals. And yeah. same thing with the Nationals. I don't think they have, you know want to screw Steven Strasburg. <laughs> so, you know, I, th- I think it, hopefully it'll work out, but not an easy conversation to have and not a way you want to end your career. Yeah. Mark pointed out too, in his write up about the situation that one thing we don't know is if the nationals took out insurance on him. And if they did, that might be an easier resolution to this because that means they won't be on the hook for paying all of the contract while Strauss would get paid it in full, which is probably what both parties would want, right, at this point, um, if this is the end. I mean, cr- credit, we're, we haven't given him enough credit yet either. Credit him for at least keep trying to come back. We saw him in the clubhouse late last season, even though he was on the IL. He didn't really speak to anybody, of course, but, you know, he was there. Um, you know, we know a part of that massive contract that he did sign was that he wanted to be able to work out and throw bullpens at Nationals Park whenever he wanted. The fact that he was there and Mike Rizzo and presumably David Martinez was also there watching it is a sign that he was doing everything he could to come back for this season at some point. Maybe not the beginning, but at some point. And it Right now, as of February 22nd, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez both, you know, spoke over the winter at winter meetings and said, you know, they feel for Steven Strasburg just because he wants it so bad. Yeah. He's trying to come back. And, I mean, kind of has to when you look at that contract and the money he's owed. But some players probably would have hung it up, sure. you know, and, and not continue to try to come back and continue try to come back. So credit to him for that. Um but it's just so unfortunate. It's very unfortunate for both the player, the team, fans, you know, us who want to see Strasburg pitch again and, and talk about his outings. Um, so we'll see how that gets resolved. Probably not, any, not anytime soon. He's still recovering. I mean, I think even the fact that he's not in West Palm is concerning. And you, even if he comes back, you have no idea what type of pitcher he's going to sure. be. I mean, after how Absolutely. many starts has he made over the last three years? It's like eight Take, or yeah, not even ten. ten. So. You have no idea what to expect, even if he does come back. So do you, do you want to end your career on that note too, you know? Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah. We'll see. But, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the the fact that he is not even in it's, camp. Right. Because him, that's – I don't know what that – I don't know. I don't know if anyone asked why he's not here. I mean, I know he's recovering, but, like, you would think that – I mean, maybe his doctors are still in D.C., but you would think the entire training staff is now in West Palm. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has to see specific doctors, and those are back in Washington. Um, so that's why he stayed behind. But like, even if he is not participating in drills or bullpens, what, uh, him being in the clubhouse still helps, right? right? You know, him being able to talk to 
Kay Cavalli, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Josiah Gray on a daily basis. Even some of the younger guys that already did. Cole Henry, who also recovering from the same surgery. Um, you know, just being able to you know, install some wisdom on these guys will be helpful. So it's unfortunate he can't even do that. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He's, I mean, if he's not even throwing, what's the point of being there? But agreed that yeah. he's not even with the team at this point. Yeah, kind of it's odd and it, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But so you, we talk about his contract. Speaking of contracts, Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez don't have one after this season, and that was a hot topic. I don't think David been asked was too much about it, but Mike Rizzo was because it's they call it a lame duck year. Rizzo mentioned that phrase when he talked. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about this season while trying to? You know, your second full year of this rebuild, you're trying to build a future when you don't necessarily know if you have a future with the team just yet because ownership question marks, your contract status, status, all that points to a big question mark for Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez. Yeah, and I know Mike Rizzo says he doesn't pay attention to it all. He doesn't think about it. Um, but anytime you're in, you know, on a one-year contract or in the last year of your contract or whatever it may be, and the chances of the team selling next year and you're having a whole new boss and it being quite possible that they clear house. I mean, yeah. credit to Mike Rizzo. He helped build a championship team, but there's, you know, a lot of talks about the failure to develop players and, you know, to sustain success beyond winning that world series. Uh, so it's possible a new owner comes in and neither Mike Rizzo or Davey Martinez have jobs. So I, I can't imagine you don't think about it. Sure. You try to focus on the state of the team but I can't imagine you don't think about it. We'll see what Mark, Mark, Mike had to say about that, his contract status, and also some of the young prospects that are in camp with the team. Because you know, you mentioned some of the prospects that he's been a uh, uh, criticized for not being able to, uh, not promote, um, develop, develop or- in the past couple of years. But now he's got a young crop of top prospects, and James Wood, Elijah Green, Robert Hassel the third, Kay Cavalli. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, not technically prospects, but you know what I mean. Um, Brady House, uh, Christian Vaccaro, they're all there. And he talked a lot about how those guys are some of the best young prospects he's ever seen in Nationals camp before he starts talking about his contract status. It's an exciting time. It's it's the best, it's the best group of upside players we've ever had here. I've been here since day one. I've never seen it like this before. And uh, and then when you, you filter in, there's – you know, 22, 23, 24 year olds that are already kind of established in the big leagues. I think you see what we're trying to, what we're trying to accomplish here. And, uh, you know, I think that's just, that's, you know, that will be the, the, the first rung on the ladder to get back to the championship. You know, my, my sense is that, uh, that I've got a job to do this year. I'm under contract this year. It's not the first time. Won't be the last time I'm I'm on a a lame duck contract. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. I have been there before. Uh, I was an area scout that worked on 21 year contracts in a row. So uh, th- this is no, I'm no stranger to, uh, to, to limited security. Uh, you know, my work will be my resume and we'll, and we'll see how, we'll see how it, uh, how it goes on from there. Uh, but uh, you know, the, uh, the learner family is, is the owner of this club. They're our, they're our boss. We take our marching orders from them and, uh, and we're going to, we're going to, you know, do the job we've always done here. So many unknowns moving forward for Mike Rizzo and David Martinez that we just said. Uh, but, you know, he said everything right, right? Like he said all the right things and, you know, you, all he can do is do his job. And, I, you know, even his um, line about his 
his work will be his resume will be his work. Um, so he's like, you know, in a way you're <laughs> kind of looking at this as like, I got to build on my resume right now, because if I don't have a job at the end of this season, I need to go find a new one. Right. I can be a GM somewhere else or, you know, enter another front office in some capacity. Um, Brendan Richardson on Facebook tuning in live. Thanks for tuning in and commenting. Brendan says he'd like to see them keep Rizzo, but let Davey go. Appreciate the comment. My, my, my response to that would be why? Like what? What would the argument of keeping? Uh, you could say because Rizzo has a longer track record as as a GM, and Davey has a shorter winning percentage as a manager. But I, I guess my point would be if you're gonna keep them or keep one or the other, I, I would keep both because if you're gonna try to rebuild this thing in the next couple of years and have a winning team on, like we've always talked about, like yes, Davey doesn't have a winning record as a manager, but think of some of the teams he's had, right? And I always go back to, like, you know, winning that team that won the World Series in 2019. Was that a raw – I mean, you how the roster was built, you can attribute to Mike Rizzo. Mm -hmm. You know, was that a team built to win the World Series? But I always go back to – they started 19-31. and 31, And Davey Martinez has to be a huge part of turning yeah. that season around. Absolutely. That wasn't Mike Rizzo. Right. So it, had, it, it takes a combination of both for success, but – I'm not sure that you can – and go back to how the learners gave Davey Martinez a longer leash than they've given any manager, any manager sure. that's been in D.C. That was for a reason, too. I mean, he doesn't win that World Series. These last two, two three years would have been hard to get by without getting fired. But yeah, he, was, he had success. He won a World Series. Yeah. How much can you – you give credit to Rizzo for versus Davey Martinez. Yeah. And I'll say like winning a one world series doesn't mean you can keep your job forever. Right. I mean, you still have to produce, but like 2018, sure. His first year was a disappointment, right? They have finished just above 500, I believe, if not at 500. Um, and then they won the world series. You mentioned the tough start. They don't do that without him. How many players came out after that year said we would not be here without Davey Martinez and his positivity. Um, and then, a, pan a pandemic shortened 20. They try to run it back. The pandemic threw everything into chaos um, and injuries as well. That was also <laughs> the start of the decline of Patrick Corbin, who mm -hmm. we didn't really expect. 2021, you know, they were in it in June, the beginning of July. They were like in second place in the, in the division and looking like they're going to make a run. And then injuries hit at the worst time to the worst players, meaning like the best players. Um, Kyle Schwarber obviously comes to mind. And then the trade-off, you know, you trade Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Daniel Hudson. I mean, they just blew the whole thing up. And so now you're entering this rebuild and then the winning percentage over the past couple of years, if you're looking at this roster, you can't put that all on Davey. Right. And that, even the, the roster that won the World Series wasn't built to have sustained success. They right. went all in. They had to win now. They weren't going to win over a long period of time. So... You know, can you fault Davey Martinez? Is it his managing over the last few years, or is it because of the the roster that Mike Rizzo built? Yeah, I like your point about the learners' commitment to these mm -hmm. two guys, like specifically Rizzo. The leash that they gave him, unlike any that we, I mean, because um, you know, Davey Johnson didn't last two years. Uh, Matt Williams, of course, didn't. Dusty Baker didn't last two right. years, even after winning two division titles. Yep. Um, so. The fact that they gave him a longer contract than normal and then extended him and picked up the options. And then, of course, we know their relationship with Mike Rizzo. I think as long as learners are here, even if it's in a minority capacity and they bring in a, a different, you know, a partial ownership group, I think 
you'll see Rizzo and Davey here for the long haul because I think the Lerner family entrusts them to see this thing through. And why wouldn't you? I think I've mentioned before on this pod, you know, like if if you're planning on this rebuild, of course, I never put a date on it, but if you're in their minds thinking like, all right, this will take at max five years, four to five years. Well, we're getting toward the halfway point right now. Why would you clear house and then start all over right. if you think you're getting closer? I mean, this season will be telling especially with the development of the top prospects in the minor league system, some of the guys on the major league level. But if you think you're close to turning a corner, cleaning house doesn't make sense to me or, or splitting them up. Why, why bring in a new manager? I agree. I mean, they have to make significant changes to their front office, um, you know, to find success again. But, you know, I don't think it benefits anybody to start this rebuild, you know, be two years in and clear house and kind of start over. I mean, just from the players, you know, direct connection to Davey Martinez, they've been growing with him. That's who's been managing them through this rebuild. Um, same with Mike Rizzo. Brendan commented, Mike Rizzo made the trades to acquire the missing pieces to go deep into the postseason, which is true. Which is true. I but mean, when they got there, Davey Martinez guided them through that. Exactly. I mean, remember, Davey hasn't lost a playoff series. Exactly. He outmanaged Craig Council, Dave Roberts, and A.J. Hinch in the postseason. I mean, the Nationals swept the Cardinals, so I'm not throw Mike Schilt under the bus there. But, you know, he, he outmanaged some of the best managers in the game at the time um, to win the World Series. And, you know, what makes – I mean, Mike Rizzo was one of the learners' first hires, first as assistant GM and then, you know, stepping into the role of the right. GM. And, you know, what makes a good GM would you rather – I mean, the Nationals did win for – a decade you yeah. know they were a competitive team for a, a decade before winning the world series but you know it's like you always go back to would you rather you know not win for a decade win one world series and you know kind of tank or would you rather be in the postseason for a decade but never win the world series you know what what is the mark true mark of a good gm sure or, or manager honestly i mean i would rather whoever owns this team i'd rather the nationals see this through with rizzo and davy Right, and then you get a supposedly winning team on paper on the field for a full season. You know, you got your your Cavallis, Gores, Grays. Let's say Henrys. Let's say whoever the number one or number two overall pick this year is as your rotation. Whatever you got, you know, Abrams, Garcia, Ruiz up the middle, and then the outfield you got Hassel, Green, and Wood, mm -hmm. like and Brady House at third base. You know, I would want to see that team under Davey Martinez. And if Davey can't get the job done there, sure, let's have a conversation. But, like, I can't judge Davey Martinez when we're, no offense to these guys, but trotting out Ildemaro Vargas and um, Dominic Smith. And, Jim, I mean, these guys, of course, we talked about are short-term pieces, not long-term pieces. Well, and oftentimes when we see managers who manage during a rebuild, they're there, you know, through the rebuild and then, sometimes it's another manager that comes in when the team's finally winning. Right. Davey Martinez is kind of the opposite case where, you know, he was part of the team that won the World Series, and now it's kind of the opposite end of the mountain, and he's having to manage a team that's going through a rebuild. And he said, you know, he learned a lot this year, and I think he'll manage this type of team even better next year because he'll be prepared. And he, you know, went through that experience this past year versus a new manager walks in, you know, that's, it, this is a tough team to walk into. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that was also one of my points. Is like, uh, who, who, all right, if you're going to fire Dave Martinez, who, who wants this job right now? 
that's going to be better. Better. It's a better manager. Right, right. I mean, no one's going to take, it's not like, you know, what you talked about, a, a, once the rebuild's done, you bring in a better manager. Like I think mm -hmm. about Joe Madden going to the Cubs, like that team was just about to finish their exactly. rebuild when he took over. And of course they won a world series. Um, so it's like, I, who's better right now than, and you know, you almost, you can't have a hard ass come in right now. That's just not going to be well received in that clubhouse with a bunch of young guys. Like I mean, no offense. Like Buck Showalter or Matt Williams. I was gonna say or Matt Williams. Matt Williams was, you know, a tough manager. Like mm -hmm. that's his managing style, which is fine. But I don't think that would work well in a young clubhouse. You need a guy that's like Dave Martinez who can teach, who has the patience to teach, who has the positivity to look on the bright side when everything looks, you know, bad and you're losing a hundred games. Or maybe you know it would be good for a young ball club like this, but it you're taking like two opposite ends of the spectrum right. in, in managing style. To me, it's just at some point you're hitting a reset button when you don't need to. Yeah, agreed. Um, but good, interesting conversation. Um, but let's quickly talk about some of the prospects that Mike Rizzo did talk about in that clip uh, or alluded to. Um, I thought it was interesting because we talked last week that Robert Hassel III wasn't one of the guys invited on an, as a non-roster invitee, and he's one of their top prospects in the highest levels of the minor leagues at Double A. You know, he's still currently ranked as MLB Pipeline's number one prospect uh, for the Nationals, but they haven't released their new top. 30 yet um but you know it was him james wood brady house uh, elijah green they were able to take live bp against major league pitchers on monday while the rest of the position players were getting their physicals done mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty cool um and it was kind of like all right this answered the question of why aren't they there are they healthy mm -hmm. seeing hassle especially hassle and house taking hacks um, against major league pitching was, was was pretty cool to see. Yeah, or Elijah Green hitting a home run off, off Corey of Corey Abbott, Abbott yeah. um, which is cool. A nuke. And, yeah, I liked what Mike Rizzo said, you know, to the media. Like, if you haven't, get, get out there to the backfields and look at all of that talent. He said it's the best group of upside players that we've ever had here, which is true because they really haven't had a farm system this deep or with so much highly touted talent. So it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting to see those guys get that experience around the, the major leaguers and – because when you think about like some of the top prospects in Rizzo's time, they, the top three that come to mind, of course, are Strasburg, Harper, and Rendon. But those guys all cracked the major league right. roster so quickly, mm -hmm. so they were never really prospects. Exactly. And now you're seeing these five guys that, in one you know one way or another, have been ranked in the top 100 from various outlets and taking batting practice and hitting home runs off major league pitching. So it's like that is if that doesn't get you excited as a Nationals fan, I mean. For the future, I, I, I can't, I, I, I have nothing for you. Right. There was no development time with really any of those players. Harper yeah. the most out of those guys. But, you know, with these players, they're three, four years out from making their major league debut. So you're going to see the literal development of yeah. them through each year. So to, so to see them down there, that's exciting. I, you mentioned Elijah Green hitting the home run off Corey Abbott. Let's not... You know, throw Corey Hepburn under the bus. He did get yeah. strike him out on on an off speed pitch the very next pitch. So it's like these guys are are talented, are good, mm -hmm. but they still have a lot of development left to do. They're not used to seeing right. some of the stuff that you're going to see from major league pitchers. You can hit a fastball, great, but can you hit a breaking ball that is, looks like it's going to be a strike right down the middle and then drops up below the zone at the last second? Yeah, and the news coming no, out second, of those players is that Brady House moved from shortstop to yep. third base. Um, there were 
that was kind of, I think, expected all along with his size, that he wasn't going to really stick at shortstop, but they said they would give him a shot to play at his natural position or where he felt comfortable. They did that. He's going to move to third base. I think his back injury last year also played a, a role yeah. in that, too. You know, it's it's a lot less physically demanding to play third base. Uh, you don't have to use your range as much. It's not as much going back and forth, throwing across your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there's some of that at third, but right. not as much as short. And he was young to have that back injury. Yeah. So, you know, you, you want to do anything to preserve his, I don't want to say shelf life, but you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. And, and and Robert Hassel III saying that his surgery after dropping out of the Arizona Fall League last fall um, went well. He's good to go. So, And he even admitted that that wrist injury that he had, you know, that could have played a role in his poor production when he entered the Nat system after the trade. Um, he didn't hit very well at, at high A Wilmington. Um, he yeah. did fine for his first taste of the double A at Harrisburg, but you know, seeing him back healthy and kind of being like, all right, I can generate more power by using my legs. I've got full use of my wrist. And right now, like I can become the hitter that the national expect me to become. Yeah. And then I think the last, I guess, well, maybe not the last injury update, but Carter Keyboom. Yeah. Kind of, I think what we expected. Um, he's going to be limited to DHing this spring. Um, not throwing from the side at all, no backhanded plays, just throwing um, overhand, mm-hmm. throwing from third base, but only overhand. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so interested watching Carter Keyboom. I, I, I just, I know he can't, th- I, I, as impressive as he's th- throwing across the field, right. no, not just like playing catch, like he's throwing from third to first. You know, but like I just mentioned, like, you know, there are going to be some uncomfortable angles and stuff you have to do um, to play third base full capacity. Not rushing him back, of course. He had his timing, John, pretty earlier in the year last year, right? I think it was May or June. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at a 12-month timeline, and of course he doesn't really need, you know, his elbow like in that that way to hit, so he will DH some. But um, I, I thought it was interesting that when Davey listed some of the guys that are playing multiple positions in their infield. Carter stayed at third, you know, right behind Jamie Candelario. Dominic Smith was at first. Joey Manessis apparently is going to play all over the place, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Um, and then, of course, you've got C.J. Abrams and Luis Garcia up the middle with Jake Alou and Ildemaro Vargas kind of kind of floating around. So, um, but, yeah, I, I we talked about a lot this offseason about the Nationals valuing versatility. And day one, you saw that. Um, guys playing multiple positions and in and, and simple drills shows that they want to get reps at, at, for everyone at different places. Right, and it gives them, you know, some of those guys that are on the fringe of maybe making the opening day roster, like Jake Alou getting reps at second base, I think can mm-hmm. only help him, or Alex Call getting reps at all three positions in the outfield. I think those can only help those players that are on the fringe of maybe making the roster get make the roster. Yep. And Matt Adams, too, at first base course, uh, non-roster invitee. Stone Garrett getting reps at left field behind Corey Dickerson. Um, and Lane Thomas staying in right field, which we expected. Uh, that's what position that he played really well late down uh, the stretch last year. Um, what other topics have we been? Uh, you know, some of the guys that the Nationals are going to count on a lot offensively this year that are, are needs some tweaking or two big names come to mind. Caber Ruiz and Luis Garcia, both guys have unreal bat-to-ball skills. We talked a little bit about this last year. Great contact hitters, but it's more about pitch selection. You know, you're not having, not you don't need to put that bat on the ball that's outside the zone all the time. 
um, and, and generating more power. Both guys talked about how they want to generate more power using their full body and their swings, while also being more selective and waiting for their pitch in the zone to drive to all fields or even over the fence. Yeah, with Luis Garcia, I mean, first off, that'll help him draw more walks. Only 11 walks last season, and most of those came towards the end of the season. So being more selective with his pitches will help him get on base more. And then, you know, Davey Martinez said, instead of settling for a little, you know, opposite field single, you keep, you know, trying to focus more on the middle of the field, which he said he did this winter. And you can see that as he showed up to spring training um, and, you know, hopefully generate some more powers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moving back to the mound, uh, just a couple of quick hitters on the three young guys. Finally see Mackenzie Gore face live hitters in a Nationals uniform. He switched to number one, which I think is cool. Like You rarely see pitchers use single digits, mm-hmm. and I think him being number one is pretty cool as a big lefty. Um, so that's that's a good start, the fact that he's full go. Cavalli, interesting news. I mean, I, I, I noticed this, the Davies' first press conference. I didn't see too many people make a big deal out of this until kind of later in the week, but... Davey alluded that Kate Cavalli is not a sure thing to make this rotation. I, I don't know if that's Davey, you know, not wanting to just hand him the job or if it's more like, no, he actually needs to go out and beat other guys like, like a Corey Abbott, like Apollo Espino to, you know, earn his spot in the rotation. Otherwise, he's starting in Rochester. Um, what did you make of what Davey had to say about Cavalli's, I guess, battle for the rotation spot? Right. I thought it was interesting because all along, not just us, I think everybody's yeah. been saying – Kate Cavalli is a sure thing. As long as he's healthy, he's a sure thing in this rotation. Um, But we also talked about how that's putting a lot of pressure on a pitcher that hasn't been proven in the big leagues yet. I mean, made his debut, um, you know, and that was it. Shut down after that. Um, So if you think about it that way, you know, should he be a sure thing? I think still he will just because there aren't really a whole lot of other options that should make this rotation over him. But you know, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree in the in the process or the thought process of you can't just give it to him. And like not that Kate is like, you know, uh, was full of himself or like overly confident or borderlining arrogance. He's very well aware of the situation, who he is. He's a very smart and, and kind guy. So it's not like he's going walking around the clubhouse strutting and being like, yeah, I'm the next Max Scherzer or anything. But yeah, you know, he, you know he's a young guy. This is only his second big league camp officially um i guess he yeah 2022 i guess he did come 2021 so third but his first with a legit shot to crack the opening day roster and you can't just like hand that over you you got to prove yourself yeah and there's gonna be bumps along the way with kate cavalli i mean he is still young this will be his first full major league season if he starts on the opening day roster I wonder what Davey Martinez, you know, he said pounding the zone, you know, everything you're going to say about a pitcher. But I wonder what he does need to see from him this spring training to earn that spot. Pounding the zone, throwing strikes. Um, and I, I think for Kate, it's all about that command, even with his fastball. I mean, he has such electric stuff, but it's sometimes erratic. We saw that exactly. a lot um, during his major league debut. You know, you could attribute that to nerves, excitement, adrenaline. But he needs to be able to hit that strike zone um, and, and use his off-speed stuff to to fool hitters effectively and efficiently and consistently. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, that's not Major League ready. And, and I don't think that – I still expect Kate Cavalli, like you said, to make the opening day roster. But I think that's Davey saying, like, hey, we're still, like – you know, th- 
you're not there yet. You still got things to work on. Right. So a lot of pressure on these young pitchers and probably the most pressure. We talked about how there's not a whole lot of pressure on Patrick Corbin going into the spring sure. training for the first time ever. He said, you know, he's excited. He wants to prove he can get back to himself. A lot of that's probably because the pressure's off of him now. You know, yeah. people don't expect a whole lot. So that's, you know, whatever you may make of that. Yeah. But Josiah Gray, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to make significant improvements this year if he's going to, you know, lead this rotation to start the year. We talked about the mechanics that he's f fixing, finishing towards the plate. He mm -hmm. was opening his toe. He worked on his hip flexibility over the offseason, and Davey Martinez likes what he's seen so far out of him, finishing in a more straight line towards the plate. Hopefully that's going to help his fastball. Um, we know that he led the major leagues, giving up the most home runs. Over 20 of those came off of his fastball. Um, so hopefully if he can work out those mechanics, that will help that. Two notes there. Uh, you mentioned him wanting to finish straighter toward the plate. Uh, you know, The Nationals do a great job of providing uh, spring training content on their social media channels. I don't know if you saw this one of, uh, like just, just so happens, like one of their content creators was like walking back toward the clubhouse and saw Josiah Gray on a bullpen mound throwing. He didn't actually have a ball. He was just doing the motion mm -hmm. and grabbed a quick video. And I think the caption was like, you know, still doing the work in when no one's watching or whatever. But the, if you didn't know like Josiah Gray and, and what he, everyone said he needs to work on, you wouldn't, you would just think, oh, he's just putting an extra rest. But you could tell he's working he's on focused, yeah. going straight to the plate and not opening up and letting that ball tail to the. And you, I mean, can, that's hard to fix when yeah. you've done that in your life. And I can't believe that nobody's worked on him. With, I mean, you saw it especially this year, the 38 home, giving up 38 home yeah. runs. It's hard to not focus on what's going wrong. But I can't believe that wasn't fixed before this, yeah. you know? Um, and. Yeah, spring training was shortened last year. Maybe they didn't have time to, you know, test trial and error stuff and, and work specifically with him. Yeah. You know, now they'll have a whole spring training with him and, you know, hopefully you see the effects. He's also developing a cutter. Yep. Um, you know, and hopefully that that spin will help. The late movement will help, you know, hitters miss the barrel. Yeah. Um, hopefully also trying to get more yeah. contact and grounders. Right. And, and, and Mike was also talked about hopefully the improved defense behind these starters will also help. Um, because you know Corbin specifically, his fielding independent pitching was way lower than his actual ERA. Not that it was great, but it was almost two runs better. Right. So, like the better defense, also including Gray, you know, if he can get induce weak contact with that cutter, that helps a lot too. Right. I mean, really, the fastball is his biggest issue. His slider and his curveball were both really effective. A thirty-eight whiff percentage on his slider and a thirty-two on his curveball, which is pretty good. It's just the fastball did not miss any bats. So yeah. hopefully, with the cutter, another contact-inducing pitch, um, but you know, missing the barrel, inducing more ground balls will help him find more success because the pressure's on with Josiah Gray. Yep. And a last note, I think that it's worth talking about before we wrap up this week's pod. Um, the close role seems mm -hmm. to be wide open. We kind of assumed that with Tanner Rainey out, Sean Doolittle still working back from injury, even though he's full go and he's been throwing off the bullpen fine and all signs point to him making this roster uh, as of right now, knock on wood, <laughs> that we just, it would be uh, Kyle Finnegan again. And it sounds like Davey's maybe going to hope open Ha, excuse me, have an open competition for the closer spot um, with guys like Finnegan, Doolittle, 
uh, Carl Edwards Jr. And then, you know, of course, Tanner Rainey said he's probably not coming back until August, but he'll be back at, at some point this season. Right. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because I think you and I just, at least I did, just assumed that it's going to be Finnegan for the season um, unless Doolittle pitched really well and just completely overtook him. Right. I mean, Kyle Finnegan, 11 saves in each of the last two seasons. But you did see Davey Martinez go to Kyle Edwards Jr. in high leverage situations, yes. late innings, um, you know, Hunter Harvey, who might be in that conversation, um, he showed flat flashes that he could fill that role. Um, you know, Sean Doolittle coming back from injury, but he's completely healthy. It's just down to pitching back-to-back -back days and facing um, um, oppo opposing hitters. So mm -hmm. that'll be interesting to see, and it kind of makes it a little bit exciting until T Tanner Rainey comes back. He's aiming for the beginning of August, the anniversary of his Tommy John surgery. Um, but, you know. Who knows until then? And also, don't forget Alex Colome is in camp. Um, he's got extended um, closing experience too. Um, shout out to Chad Brinkman for mentioning his name on um, on the yep. Facebook chat. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So we maybe have more roster battles to talk about than we thought. I mean, I, we know what this bullpen again, aside from injury, is going to look like. But I guess the roles aren't defined. And we even saw Davey, you know, win. Rainey went down and Finnegan was the presumed closer. We saw him use him in the eighth inning as the closer, even though that wasn't the save situation, depending on who the lineup was coming up. Um, happened a couple of times in Atlanta facing, you know, their top hitters in the eighth instead of the ninth. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Davey kind of manages that part of the late innings in the games with the bullpen, as opposed to maybe just using a straight closer. You get the ninth no matter what. Right. Chad said the bullpen will be committee until July or August. Yeah, I agree. Davey Martinez isn't going to set any defined roles. You know, why do that when yeah. you don't really know what you have necessarily yet? Yeah. And it depends what the matchup dictates, right? Because, again, you know, you'll, you're also going now, you'll have Sean for April, May, June, and July this year as opposed to just, was it six innings right. last year? So that's a left-hander with a great fastball that you could use. Uh, late in the game. So yeah. that'll be interesting again. Okay, baseball things. Isn't that yeah. great? So much Exciting. fun. Any baseball fun? Um, yeah, so great talk about all the news and notes that we've heard over the past week of spring training game start this weekend which is even more exciting because then we'll see some i mean you can't really trust spring training numbers but you will see some right. actual statistics and and games being played and results being posted on scoreboards which will be fun to talk about so well of course we'll be back next week on the mass and all access podcast wednesday at one o'clock i'll be coming from spring training so i'll be zooming into the show um while amy hosts back here in their web studio big thanks to brenda mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes thanks to everyone who commented on facebook and youtube today we appreciate you guys chiming in we can tell you guys are excited so we're pumped to bring all you all this content uh throughout the spring training leading up to opening day at mass and nationals across the board uh Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, get your podcast, subscribe. Now's the time. At Amy Jennings News for on Twitter for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Thanks so much for tuning in. Baseball's back. We'll talk to you next week.